Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Your ego is what drives you to do well. It drives you to perform, it drives you to accomplish things. It does a lot of good things for you, but it also has this negative side. It, it just can't take anything bad. Even the idea that, you know, someone could point out a finger or someone could say something mean to me, that, that can put you off. So that's the plus and minus of ego. And I would yes. say it's best to take a middle path. Identify when your ego is coming in your way, you know, and push it to the side. And, you know, it's not your day today. I'm going to be a kid, play on this playground. And if I fall, I'll get up. I think when you have the overemphasis of, you know, me, I, mm. could they yes. say that to me? How could yes. they do that to me? And when you have yes. that me, I, myself sort of a sentence bombarding in your head again and again, you know it's your ego working. So when you're looking at your own story objectively, you know that ego is not working. But when you're looking at your own story from a, you know, how could they say this to me, yes. you know? you know it's an ego problem. Welcome to Universal Grace. I am your host, Nadine Grace. Universal Grace is a dose of personal development and spiritual truth to help you become the best and greatest version of yourself. I share real talks with global game changers, thought leaders, and high-performance experts in this raw and unfiltered transformational podcast. I know that we're all capable of becoming the very best version of ourselves. We just need to remember who we are and believe that we are worthy and deserving of an extraordinary life. I am here to awaken you to your infinite potential and inspire you to unlock your inner greatness and live your best life. You ready? Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Universal Grace. We have a guest in today. Her name is Deepti Vijikamur. She's a high-performance coach who empowers her clients to operate at their highest potential at work and life. She has a holistic approach towards high performance with work-life balance at the core of her training because she knows now more than ever that work and life are not separate. Over the last seven years, she has developed close to 65 tools and frameworks to help her clients operate at their greatest potential every day. Her clientele includes small business leaders, corporate professionals, and even graduate students. The common thread between all of her clients is a penchant for excellence. She's a mechanical engineer with an MBA in marketing and an MS in business analytics. She worked as a management consultant with a multinational corporation before becoming a full-time entrepreneur in the field of high-performance coaching. She's a triple crown toastmaster, has served as club president, and is now an area director. She mentors several Toastmasters in the leadership journey, conducts training, and has spoken professionally at organizations like the Columbus Chamber of Commerce, the Columbus Rotary Club, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, and the White River Broadcasting Radio Company. She has also appeared as a guest on several podcasts. This year, she has decided to channelize her passion for diversity and inclusion into building a high-performance training module called Cultural Proficiency, A Path to Inclusion. She's given talks and training on the subject in Columbus, Indiana, and hopes to facilitate more inclusion in her diverse community. 
Welcome. Welcome, Deep Tea. It is such a pleasure having you. Such a pleasure. I've been waiting for this day. Thank you for having me, Nadine. You are most welcome. So I know the last time we spoke was about, it was about a month ago or mm-hmm. three weeks to a month ago. We had a really deep discussion and it was just so refreshing and I couldn't wait for this day. How have you been? <laughs> I've been doing well. And, you know, like we just spoke about, time is flying. I mean, it's already uh, July, half a year has just gone by. Yes. And, uh, you know, I thought, you know, the pandemic is slowing things down, but, you know, um, time flies, especially when you're a woman, you're a mother and you're trying to juggle multiple things. Time Absolutely. just flies right past you. That is so true. And then you wake up one day and you're like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So we're going to jump right into your background. I know that your home country is India mm-hmm. and you moved to Columbus, Indiana, but five, six years ago. Yes. So tell us right. about that. Tell us about that. How is it? What is the major difference um, in Columbus? I'm sure there's a lot of differences. And how has, you know, grown up in India has really shaped the person that you are today? And um, how was it in um, Columbus, Indiana? Sure. I grew up in a very big bustling cosmopolitan city in India called Pune. And uh, that's where all of my life happened. All my formative years were there. And in 2015, I moved to the U.S. to Columbus, Indiana. And Columbus has been my home for the last six years or so. I think the major difference is anything that someone coming from the East faces in the West, you know, culturally very different. Yes. Different in a very good way. Yes. It's, it's not, it's not a shock for us because, you know, we were a British colony for 200 years. So Mm -hmm. we have Western elements in our country Mm -hmm. almost everywhere. So we are used to Western elements, but then moving to a country um, all the way across the globe definitely had uh, wonderful challenges in store for me. Yes. Yes. And I think the best thing that I'm able to decipher out of all of this is, you know, I'm able to pick and choose what I like from the East and the West and make my own bundle of culture in my life. Because in in the US, what I loved about it was the individualism and the ability to trailblaze on many levels, you know, people coming forward to make change, you know, when there's obviously so much turbulence that happens in all countries. But I find that in the U.S., there is active change happening and faster than in most other countries. So those are parts of the U.S. that I pick and I imbibe. And yes. from my Eastern experience from India, it's, you know, it's a very spiritual country. Yes. I, I'm able to embrace my spirituality more here because of the said individualism, you know, there's yes. yourself and that has helped me be more Indian and de- delve deeper into my faith in the U.S. And of course, I think um, another thing that uh, being Indian and my faith helps me is having the philosophy of giving without expecting anything in return. There's a I lot like of... That. There's a lot of, I think in the West, at least my experience of it is, you know, if I'm giving you, what am I taking? There's a lot of give and take sort of a mindset, mm-hmm. which, which helps the economy run, but I don't think it helps the soul run. Yes. And so what I bring from my Indian experience is uh, my ability to give yes. and have that kind of a relationship with everyone. And mm-hmm. I know that karma catches up and gives it back to you sometime in bountiful return it will come back to you. Yes, yes, absolutely. I love that. And also India is a very, very fast paced um, country as well. And um, you said that the world is fast, but we need to slow down, you know, in order to be a really high performing individual, it's important for us to slow down. However, most of us were taught the opposite right? Mm. That we need to be constantly on the go to be effective. But you're saying that that's the other way around. You're saying, no, slow down. In order to be a a high performing individual, we need to slow down. So can you please share with our listeners how you know this firsthand? Yes, I am a high performance coach. And the first thing I had to do 
was ensure that I was high performing. Yes. No way I could coach people without figuring that out myself. And I think the first thing I had to do in order to become high performing myself was to define what my life looks like on a day-to-day basis. What is one day in my life? What is my energy? What are the things I'm doing? Who am I spending my time with? Mm. And defining that clearly, including the purpose of my life in that, was the first thing to do. Get clear on what you want out of your life and how it looks. And once that is anchored, Nadeen, I think it's very easy to start quitting things. Again, quitting is such a taboo. You know, we've been taught to never quit. You know, whatever you take up, take it to the end. But quitting is a high performing skill. Because once you decide what your purpose is and what your life looks like, Mm -hmm. the next thing to do is eliminate everything that doesn't serve that vision. I love that. Yes. And that could be quitting, quitting habits, quitting Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. quitting activities, even quitting thought processes. Yes. And go on, quit. Quitting has to be done in order for you to serve that purpose because we are limited. We are not some unlimited energy body that can do everything they plan to do. You have limited energy, limited time, uh, limited uh, ability to put in effort. Might as well decide what gets that attention. And then that is what leads to laser sharp focus into that. what you are doing with your life, your, your career, your relationship, whatever it is that you need to work on and, you know, bring it to the highest potential. Yeah. That's the only way you can get laser sharp focus by doing this. I love that. Oh my goodness. Love it. So we're going to revisit what you just said about, cause I think it, it ties into setting boundaries, right. Mm. Into um, really careful who you let into your space and what you let into your mind as well and what you eat it's all tied tied in into your purpose because your purpose dictates everything what you eat who you spend time with what you watch what you consume so we're going to revisit that um but I know that you have global experience because you're from India you you travel all over and you're now living in the states so I know that your global experience gave you a new lease of life can you tell us about that Absolutely. I think I count myself as one of the lucky people who've been able to move around the globe the way I have been able to. I haven't visited a lot of countries, Mm -hmm. but I think for my age and my experience, I think I've traveled quite a bit. And, And the best thing about it, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, is how I'm able to pick and choose what I want in my life. Because when you have a global experience, it's very easy to get overwhelmed because you have this, you have that, I can do this, this sounds cool, that sounds cool, and you can get so overwhelmed because there's a problem of choice. Yes. But the other end of it, when you think about it, is you have this plethora of cultures, plethora of values, plethora of morals, plethora of you know living a life And you have the choice of picking what works for you if you've defined your purpose correctly. You know, if you've defined this is how my life is going to be. This is my purpose. And you get to pick and choose from all this variety in your global experience to serve that. And so, like I said, one of the biggest things I've picked from being in the U.S., is individualism and originality. I think this country on many levels does a good job of representing originality and trailblazing, you know? Yes. And I think that has powered me to be myself more. And I don't think if I was living in some other part of the world, I would be able to do it as well as I'm doing it here. Yes, yes. You have the freedom to walk in your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know that you're, um, you're in Toastmaster. <laughs> so tell us about your role in Toastmaster and what made you join Toastmaster and how has Toastmaster shaped the person that you are today? Toastmasters is, has been life-changing for me to say the least. And I didn't know that when I joined the club here in Columbus mm-hmm. and then I went on to become the president. Now I'm an area director and that's going Amazing. on on the side. Thank you. But what I'd like to point out, especially to you and your listeners, um, I think Toastmasters was something 
that served my creative juices that reminded me on how to be in my flow state mm. so what i urge everyone to do is no matter what your day job is find out what your jam is you know what makes you go into a flow state mm-hmm. is it is it dancing is it singing is it public speaking like in toastmasters is it origami i don't know but figure yes. out what your jam is what brings you in a flow state yes. and go seek spaces that are allowing you to do that once you're yes. in that process you're going to expand your mind so beautifully it's going to creep into your work it's going to creep into your relationships yes and after you figure out what that jam is and you start doing it find other people who are doing the same and then it's going to give you that synergy of creativity and that's what toastmasters did for me you know public yes. speaking may not be for everyone but what it's representing is finding that one thing you know that's going to relax you but challenge you and keeps you looking forward to it and also yes. finding your tribe that does the same thing yeah is is going to take your creativity to a whole new level so find synergy find your jam and that's yes. what toastmasters did for me you can go ahead and find out what that is for you yes and toastmaster um and it, for for you anyways you're a high performing um um coach you help high performing leaders to really stand out mm. and um toastmaster i believe would also help with building confidence as well because it it allows you to to put yourself out there and um because i remember when i joined toastmaster my first day <laughs> was terrifying. I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to stand in front of all these people." <laughs> yeah, it is. And and give a speech. So it really it helped me to own my skills and even, you know, I was messing up and not because, you know, when you're on your first day in in front of large amount of strangers, yeah. it's natural for you to become nervous, but then as as you continue to go back and go back and go back, then it becomes second nature. So I really do love Toastmasters and I can tell that, you know, it has done a tremendous job for you because um, here you are sitting here with us, just, you know, being the incredible coach that you are, excuse me. And um, you have, I noticed that you have a penchant for learning and you said that you seek spaces that you know you might fall. (laughs) Tell us about that. Cause I, I, I really, you know, a lot of people tend to shy away from areas that they think that they're not strong in. And um, I think that's, it's very important to, to note or to understand that the spaces that you believe, right, that you mm-hmm. have challenges in, those are the spaces that you really should put time and effort in. So can you please talk to our listeners about that? Oh, absolutely. This is my favorite because, you know, either the listener gets excited with what I'm saying or gets offended. So. <laughs> I think I think the I think the first thing I'd like to bring to attention is the mm-hmm. mindset you need in order to be a learner, you know. Yes. And a real life example would be children. Just look at them. When they are in a playground or when they are, you know, anywhere for that matter at home in a playground among friends, among grown-ups, they do not think of others judgment of themselves. Mm-hmm. That's true. And my son who's 3 years old is who inspired me with this. You know, they say when when a child comes into your life, don't teach the child how to be, but learn from the child how That's to be. That's true. You, know? you you are taken back to what you originally were born as and what your original set of attitudes and mindsets were. And so yeah. I thought, you know, let's look at my son who seems to be so happy all the time and let's figure out what the secret is. And the secret is absolute oblivion to other people's uh, judgment and it's easier said than done i know yes, i know yes, it's easier yes. said than done but identifying that mindset is the first step the second thing that i i mentor quite a few people in toastmasters and how i help them overcome their stage fear is assume that the audience around you or the people around you are not judging you assume yeah. it assume they are your friends they're here to help you when you start with that assumption and if they prove themselves right you won and if they don't you still yes, gave a good speech i like that i I'm, i love that you say that because we all get stuck in our mind thinking that people are always judging us mm. when in fact most of the time people are 
doing their own thing. They're not worried mm-hmm. about what we're doing. But why do you think that human beings are so caught up in, in always thinking um, that someone is judging us and maybe I shouldn't do this because someone is going to judge me and someone is going to say I suck or mm. we're so caught up in, in this thought process that, you know, what if, what if someone say something about us? Why do you think we do that? <laughs> I think I think there are two components to this, Nadine, and all of us have it in ourselves. Mm-hmm. The first component is biological, which is, you know, when we were cavemen, you know, you're always looking for threats and you're always in the survival mode and you're always trying to protect yourself. I think there is a part of us that's still in that survival mode, you know, even though it's modern times, we still have cavemen tendencies. So you're always thinking you're under attack. I think one part of it is that, and it's important to realize that, you know, it's no more the case. So that would be the first step. (laughs) Yeah. The second thing is Nadine ego. I, um, yes. your ego is what drives you to do well it drives you to perform it drives you to accomplish things and all of that it does a lot of good things for you but it also has this negative side where it it just can't take anything bad even the idea that you know someone could point out a finger or someone could say something mean to me that that can put you off so that's the plus and minus of ego and I would say it's best to take a middle path I'm not some I'm a realist I wouldn't say let go of your ego but identify when your ego is coming in your way you know and push it to the side and you know it's not your day today I'm going to be a kid play on this playground and if I fall I'll get up so managing your ego and having that middle ground I think will help people do well Yes. And, and how do we know when our egos are stepping in? How do we identify that voice? Because it's so loud. <laughs> how do we know when our ego is coming in and, and interrupting us? I think when you have the overemphasis of, you know, me, I, mm. could they yes. say that to me? How could yes. they do that to me? And when you have yes. that me, I, myself sort of a sentence, bombarding in your head again and again you know it's your ego working versus when you're thinking oh um, this was a speech and the evaluator told me that you know uh, my vocal variety was not in place and yeah maybe I wasn't so when you're looking at your own story objectively you know that ego is not working but when you're looking at your own story from a you know how could they say this to me you know you know it's an ego problem I like that. So you talk a lot about leadership and how Toastmasters has helped you um, develop in that way. And you're, you're a leadership coach and also business consultant. So what took you down that path? I think, I think becoming a high-performing person happened way before I became a high-performance coach. Oh, okay. You know, I moved here. I had the chance to take a break and I had the chance to work on myself, to reinvent my life. And then when I started going to Toastmasters, you know, that's where I got my first client because, you know, they probably noticed, oh, this is quite a high performing individual. And, you know, will she coach me? And that's how it happened. It was accidental. I didn't even think of going into coaching or training or any of that stuff. But somebody saw that in me and approached me. And when I started working with that person, I saw the difference I was making in that person's life. Mm -hmm. And it had been a long time since I had an aha moment. And when I had that, I thought, okay, this is something I'm not going to let go. And when I saw that in people, you know, I decided this is my path. Nice. And, and what are the attributes of a, of a high performing um, leader or person? You said you were already high performing before you became a high performance coach. So what are, what are, the, what are some of the attributes that you um, see in, like, let's say your, your, your clients, <clears throat> excuse me, that would lead you to believe that individual is high performing? I think what I definitely screen for first is the potential for high performance you know usually people who come to me are people who want to excel in life but there are so many seeming obstacles that they're not able to you know feel at their highest potential even though they have so much and so once I identify that you know I start working with them and yes the first thing is the openness to learning the openness to Mm. accepting that I am completely wrong 
I think that's that's the first trait of a high performing individual, ready to constantly reinvent yourself and you know even at sometimes laugh at yourself. Yeah, that's the first thing. And the second thing would be this dedication to finding out what is my role in this world, what is my purpose, and how do I navigate this world, staying true to myself. I think someone who's dedicated to being true to themselves is of absolute importance and and to an extent that you know on some level others opinions matter less you know that person has to already be on that path yes. but is still struggling to sort of let go to quit because you know we've been designed to keep running keep going yes. on the go you know don't quit any anybody or anything and you know have a big social circle so there are these contradictory ideas that even high performing individuals have and then i have to peel each of those layers and tell them you know you can quit this you can say no to this and then so somebody who's already on the path of knowing that you know no i need to give up on some things but i don't know how to yes yes yeah. you so, because i yeah uh, because i cannot uh, i cannot train someone who holds on to the fact that you know uh, you know i need everybody to like me and that's my only yes. way of living if that's the thought process i i cannot work with that person completely agree and earlier you talked about and just now as well you talked about finding your purpose mm. um I didn't really feel alive mm. until I found my purpose. I felt dead inside. And um, I noticed that once I started walking in, in purpose, I, you know, I wake up every day with the new lease on life. Why do you think it's so important to find your purpose? Wow. That, that's such a big question, but such an important one. Because I think life is it could be short or long i wouldn't say life is short you know you you could live 100 years you could live just 40 years yes but the time that you have is precious you are a limited human being you have mortality you're not forever you know at least your body is not forever you know what the soul does is a whole different uh, thing to talk about but your body and your human life is limited Mm-hmm. and every day is precious you know this day gone is one day less in your life and yes. when you look at it that way how do you want to be living your life do you want to be chasing things because others are chasing it do you want to prove to others how amazing you are or how successful you are and feel nothing about yourself inside i mean if you're not happy on a day-to-day basis all your success and all your material wealth will just will go away from you when you die so yes. what's the point of living like what what is in it for you if you are investing in life your time your energy what are you getting back you should be getting back happiness you should be getting back a sense of peace every single day you should feel loved you yes. should feel like your life matters and that you're making a difference in somebody else's life these are the things that actually feed you Yes. Your the size of your house, the size of your car, the money in the bank are just objects lying there. They're not really feeding your soul. Yes. And and that's why we talk about burnout these days. That's why we're talking about uh, you know people being lost, successful people taking their lives. People mm-hmm. have no idea why they're doing it I because know. because everything was done for the world to see as successful. but nothing was done for the heart to know that it was happy yes. i think that's the equation if you want your heart to be happy and you want to feel excited to be living find your purpose yes that was such an amazing and powerful answer i absolutely love it work on ourselves from the inside out mm-hmm. before you know we do anything else because it all starts from the way we feel inside yeah. and the way we feel out inside is what creates our external reality our external world and you believe that an aspiring leader should work on themselves from the inside out to be a phenomenal leader yeah. what are some of the when you say work on yourself what are some of the things that they should be doing to be a phenomenal leader i think i will talk from uh, my experience with the clients i've had i've had quite a few female clients and let me let me talk from that perspective mm-hmm. because i'm biased you know i'm a woman <laughs> and i have a bias for female leaders and what i see is the first thing to know is find out what your weaknesses are 
mm-hmm. because it's very easy to find out what your strengths are and it's yeah. very comfortable to you know play your strengths but i think what you need to do is find your weaknesses and befriend them and what we women face especially as leaders i think as aspiring leaders or as leaders is constantly being uh constantly being judged or constantly being underestimated you know no matter how good you are if you're a woman and if you're a leader and if you're you know the boss of the room and even if you just have opinions you know there is a good chance that you're being underestimated oh you know yeah. what does she know you get that vibe yes. and i think what happens to women leaders especially or any leader who's feeling attacked is that you get agitation so that's your weakness right there and that takes you down so identify the weakness that gets triggered in you because of your external environment because that will take you down so when i work with women leaders women leaders i identify this agitation and i tell them it's there now cope with it you know don't let it take you down don't let it give you mood swings don't let it you know fire at someone or raise your voice at someone so identifying your weaknesses as a person is paramount to working on yourself from the inside out and once you work on that you know nobody has anything on you the only thing you can do is be a phenomenal leader oh my goodness that was so amazing i love it identify your weakness and work on that and as you're you're saying that i'm looking at myself and my biggest weakness is i think time management mm-hmm. if i get to the end of the day and i'm going down my list or in my head and of things that i wanted to do but i didn't get them done i start feeling like a loser i start mm. getting agitated i start just really just turning in on myself and just being so pissed off mm. for not being productive that day how do i get over this <laughs> <laughs> well nadin i'm so glad that you identified you know that's a weakness because so many people don't even know what their weaknesses are they just fall into that into that spiral of you know oh i didn't get this done today i'm not productive and then you have a bad mood and then maybe you pick a fight with a partner and yeah. you don't know why <laughs> you know that's people don't even realize those are weaknesses so the best thing you've done is identify the weakness the second thing to do is love yourself like you love someone that you love imagine if it's your partner or your son who was not being productive who didn't do the things that were on their list mm. how would you look at them what yeah. would you say to them what is the kind of support that you would give them when they were feeling the same way you were feeling and just redirect that to yourself it's as simple I as that like that yes love myself as if i would you know same way i love my son my yes. son is my everything and yeah. and yes i love that i'll i'll start practicing that because i get very hard on myself mm. especially you know at the end of the day if i haven't done the thing that i i know that is helping me to grow spiritually and also in my career as well yeah i get very hard on myself so thank you so much that that really that really really helped because i know that there's a lot of people who are listening right now who can you know relate to yeah. what we're talking about mm-hmm. we are very hard on ourselves more than we are with other people mm-hmm. and we have to remember that we come first and and, and be gentle with ourselves and Absolutely. um yeah so um as we learn and grow we become more attuned with ourselves and you know our taste in things and people change mm. especially when we start loving ourselves the things that we um once liked or the people that we once used to allow in our space you know if they're not on the same i guess frequency as us Mm-hmm. you know it just it doesn't feel the same and we want to be around different things and different people mm. which is not bad <laughs> is this all about moving forward and upward so i guess my question is what is the importance of setting boundaries and really allowing things and people into your space to help you evolve i think going back to you know the first thing that we discussed yes. about <laughs> you know what serves your dream life what serves your purpose knowing that and then eliminating everything else that doesn't serve that i think that would be the basic simple answer yeah. but to get into the details of it i would say you know once you have that figured 
setting those boundaries will obviously help you, you know, because you know, this person doesn't serve you and that person or that habit doesn't serve you. But sometimes, you know, people you love, you love deeply are also people you want to set some boundaries on, but you don't know how. I think that's where it gets difficult, where there's deep love involved, but then you're not able to set boundaries. And, and, And in those cases, you know, even the frequency doesn't matter because it could be your parent, you know, who loves you deeply, but is not on the same frequency as you. Yes, It could be your partner. It could be your son. You know, your kid is never on the same frequency as you, but then you still love them and they love you. Yes. And again, you know, bringing back to being a woman, I think we are, you know, waterfalls of love and abundance and protection and all of that. And I think where we go wrong is we start seeing people that we love as extensions of ourselves. Mm. And then that's where all the trouble happens because you not only are anxious for yourself, you're not only hard on yourself, you're not only meddling in your own life, but you start doing that for everyone that you love. And then that's where you start draining your energy. And especially as a mother, you know, because you see your child as this extension of you and you pour so much and then it might go to a point where, you know, it, it leads to frustration, depression, irritation, all of that. So setting boundaries with people you don't love a lot, I think is quite doable. Mm-hmm. But setting boundaries with people that you love is something that we need to figure out because you feel, you know, if I love, you know, there's no boundary. No, there are boundaries. You have to protect your energy. I never if thought you... about that. Setting boundaries with people that you love. I mm-hmm. never thought about that. When I'm thinking of boundaries, I'm thinking of people who are not serving me. Mm. But then you know, you're, you wouldn't look at your child and say that your child is not serving you, but you still need to set boundaries to, you know, for your own mental state. Cause I I remember when I, in the earlier years, when I first had my son, I didn't know, (laughs) I didn't really understood the importance and the, the challenges that comes with motherhood. And for the first couple of years, I, it was so difficult for me. That's Mm. when I really started to um, that's when I really went into like a deep, deep, I guess they call it postpartum depression mm. because I was given all of myself to my son. And I have this big dream of, you know, creating myself and, and becoming well, well, I didn't really know what the best becoming the best version of myself was until I hit rock bottom, but I knew that mm. I had plans and I, I wanted to do something more than just be a mom. Mm. And that really weighed heavily on me every day I would wake up depressed Mm. and and wondering when is it going to change what do I need to do why am I feeling this way and you know what are I guess what I'm trying to say is what is what is it that women because we wear so many different hats so many different hats and it, it can really take us down and it wasn't until I really started Um, you know, when they say when you hit rock bottom, that's when you realize that you cannot go any lower, right? So Mm. they're the only way from here is to get higher. So it's either Mm. you keep, it's either you just completely go nuts or you work, (laughs) or you work on yourself. Why is it so important for, for women to really put themselves first and to really, cause, and to really value self-care and, and take care of herself before we take care of anyone else. Yeah, I think I think this is the best, uh, my most favorite thing to talk about, you know, (laughs) because I see that happening to women all around me. And I see that happening to me. And, Mm -hmm. and I am, by many accounts, a person who is, you know, much more bold. And, you know, you know, if there's an average curve, I'm way above the average when it comes to boldness and competitiveness and, you know, making my point and assertiveness. And even I have faced the thing that you just said, Nadine, mm. where you give yourself, I don't know if it's a biological thing, you know, we, we don't know the source, but I think yes. we tend to be like this waterfall of, you know, abundance. And, and that's a great strength we have because mm-hmm. you, nobody can love like we love, you know? I know, I see that. But then what mm. happens is when we don't control it, you know, because if a waterfall has you know, too much of water, you could flood the whole place. You don't want to do that. You want the waterfall to just flow down there and nourish all the plains around it. You don't want it to flood the plains, you know, to put it uh, simply. So what you do is, you know, identify that this is a strength and not feel 
like that's some kind of a problem that you have you know you're always mm-hmm. giving yourself and accept that it's a strength and find the points where it's taking you down the cliff or it's it's going in the wrong direction is it because you know you spend the whole day with your child and you didn't even take out a single hour of alone time so identifying the points where it starts going wrong in that abundance would be the most important thing to do and then slowly learn to withdraw Yes. And I like to talk about nature's example. You know, you look at mm-hmm. animals, you look mm-hmm. at animals and you see animal moms. Let, let's just take a lioness and her cubs. Do you see her hanging out with the cubs whole day? No, she has to let them go. I think nature has all the answers. You know, she does let them go. She needs yes. to go and hunt. And she does leave them a little vulnerable for some time. And it, and it's working. And if it's working in nature, I think that's the best place for us to identify that you know, there's a point after which I need to not give myself, you know, it's, it's yes, contradictory, yes. Yes. but learning how to be a little selfish, a little uh, holding back because, you know, you're a waterfall and you don't want to flood. You're already a waterfall. So when you're holding back, you're not, not loving, you're yes. just preventing flooding, you know? Yes, yes. So just see it that way. And when you see it that way, you'll see that it's a strength and you're going to prevent it from becoming a weakness. Yes. Yes. And, and what really worked for me was because I I couldn't go through another year of feeling the way we, the way I was feeling, feeling drained and low and depressed and worthless. And like, my life wasn't going anywhere. And, um, I got tired of blaming my son. Mm. I, I got tired of being a victim. I got tired of, of just feeling hopeless. It's a very low vibrational space that I was in and I got tired of it. And that led me down the path of personal growth. And, um, and what has been working for me is really waking up earlier than my son (laughs) wakes up and taking that time out for myself to be me, to do whatever that, you know, serves my soul, like meditating and exercising and reading and, you know, affirmations. Those are the things that really pulled me out. And I noticed that if I stopped that, like about a month or two, about a month ago, Mm. I kind of fell off the bandwagon, if if I'm being honest here. And I was, I don't know what happened. I think I was going to bed late Mm. and I was just too tired to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and I fell off. And I kept telling myself every day, okay, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And then a whole three weeks went by and I wasn't doing it. And I started realizing that I was falling back in the same pattern Mm. of, of not feeling um, worthy of not feeling productive, of not feeling um, alive. And I was Mm. like, no, 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 not, (laughs) I'm not going back down that path. And I started doing my, the things, my routine, you know, of taking that alone time out for myself in the morning is so important of having that me time because, you know, the, the world is so noisy and loud Mm. and it's so important to, you know, to really take that time out. And as a high performing coach that you are, I'm sure you are, you've seen so many people that is, you know, so fed up with life, but they don't know where to go or how to start. So, you know, you're doing such an amazing job. I, I really do, um, love this conversation because there's so many women who can relate to, to what Mm. we're, you know, to what we're talking about. And, um, as you look to the future, where do you see your, your, your future? Like what's next for you? Well, for me, it's, it's an, it's been an interesting year because I have just delved into this new area called cultural proficiency which happens to be a high Mm. performance skill when I was working with my clients Nadine I noticed that almost all of them were I'd like to use a better word but victims of discrimination bias and it's you know women people of color and even other things like you know people who are overweight or underweight you know human beings find all ways to discriminate against each other so that keeps coming in the way of many people, you know, even the most high performing individuals, you know, that's a big problem. And I realized, you know, because I'm Indian and I live in an American, you know, uh, town, Mm -hmm. which has a majority of, you know, European origin individuals, 
I thought, you know, what is coming in the way of at least, you know, women of color and especially women of color who are Indian Mm -hmm. was that um, nobody knew about our culture, even though there are quite a few of us among uh, people in the community. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, there are so many people in the community who want to be inclusive, but are not able to do that. So I developed this tool called cultural proficiency, which has um, methods and frameworks to help everybody become culturally proficient of each other so i would become culturally proficient about the european culture or the brazilian culture or you know japanese culture and you know everyone would get proficient in my culture mm-hmm. and i developed the method to be able to do that so that when you see someone who's different than you are you know someone mm-hmm. who eats differently someone who speaks differently mm-hmm. or someone who just dresses differently mm-hmm. how do you deal with that in a way that that person feels included I you like know that. and then when everyone feels included Nadine that's when you know even the economy starts running better because if I feel included in this community I'm going to do my job better I'm going yes. to give myself to the community I'm going to give my money I'm going to give my time and my effort if I feel yes. included and so that is a high-performing community. That's that's yes, what I'm doing now. I like that. That's the talks I'm giving. That's the training I'm giving to people these days in the community about becoming culturally proficient and sensitive to others and making yes. everyone feel included. You that's have diversity. Yeah. You have diversity, but if they don't feel included, you know, they're yes, being excluded. Especially in the workplace as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, feeling included will definitely raise productivity. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And and you also have a, um, a, a bachelor's degree in um, engineering. You're an engineer. Yes. And that space is usually <laughs> filled by men. <laughs> how do you, how, have you seen any type of um, bias? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <you> of course. <laughs> And, and to add to that, you know, I'm a mechanical engineer. So yes, yes. even when I was studying, you know, I was just one of the, you know, eight or 10 girls in a class of 100, 120, I think. Wow. And I think that's when it first started. And that's, you know, and I was from an all girls school, luckily, and I had learned, you know, that my gender didn't come in the way of my skills for 15 years of my life, luckily. And then when I stepped into, you know, college, And, you know, I was one of the few girls in a class full of boys, you know, that's where it first started. All the biases where, you know, I applied to a leadership position and no one votes for me, even though, you know, even if, you know, I'd like to think I was the best, but at least I was one of the best, you know, and I wouldn't get the job. And, you know, the professors would look at me like, you know, some kind of a wallflower or, um, or maybe you, you know, it's that agitation of being underestimated. I faced that in college. And it did come in my way. And, uh, you know, I learned how to navigate it. I, I, I started myself uh, thinking gender neutrally. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't look at men as men. I just saw them as people. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I worked on myself and managed my way through. But most importantly, I learned to divert my agitation. You know, I think especially when women are capable or anyone who's capable and talented and feels underestimated or not acknowledged you know dealing with that emotion was the first thing for me to navigate that bias I accepted it's there and mm-hmm. then I realized I'm still going to do what I have to do and if they see it they see it if they don't I'll figure out another way I love your confidence I love Thank your you. confidence you're welcome and that has helped you to develop this assertiveness and yes. boldness mm-hmm. to to go after your 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 dreams because nothing nothing is gonna stop you I absolutely love it and I love this discussion and fortunately you know it's running we're running out of time yeah (laughs) but this was such an amazing discussion um you are you know doing such an amazing job to be so young um you know you would think the wisdom coming out of you that you're much older but um (laughs) you're so 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 you know you're very young on the right path doing an amazing job and we're, you know, the world can use your wisdom in slowing down, slowing down and, and, and going inside and, and working on ourselves from the inside out to become this, you know, phenomenal coach that our, you know, person, whoever leader that we're meant to be. So yeah. thank you so much for stopping by. Um, this was an amazing discussion. I could go on and on. I remember when we spoke 
about a month ago we talked for like an hour and a half <laughs> oh yeah i think we were supposed to speak for like half an hour or something and it became you know? an hour and a half and then it went to hour and a half because you know it's 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 always a pleasure chatting with you because you are you have so much wisdom and i'm sure that i will be asking you to come back in the future <laughs> oh i would love to lady i had such a good time today you're you're so pleasant and it i think you brought out Thank the right you. kind of uh, you know answers from me and we we have our frequencies matching when we speak and that yes. always brings out the best i think from a guest and you were such a wonderful podcaster thank you thank you thank you and you made it so much better and i learned so much i can definitely see our relationship escalating and going to the next level because Absolutely. um i need some of that wisdom <laughs> and i need some of your sprightliness and liveliness you know there are not a lot of people in the world who have this attitude towards life and this kind of openness to you know high energy and learning so i appreciate oh, thank you, you. thank you thank you so much deepthi i really appreciate that and how can our listeners tune in and connect with you because i'm sure they're going to want to connect with you how can they connect with you where can they find you i think for now they can find me on linkedin under the same name deepthi vijay kumar and just you know say hi on the chat box and i love speaking and just like you know i had this lovely session chatting with Nadine you know if our frequencies match whoever chats me you know you never know where it goes absolutely thank you so much for stopping by deepthi it was such a pleasure having you thank you nadine i had a good time thank you for listening to universal grace podcast and being part of this amazing community. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and I hanging out and helping each other rise to the top. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. So I'll see you on the next episode. But in the meantime, remember to head on over to universalgracepodcast.com and get some extra special resources that you won't find anywhere else. Thanks for listening and let love guide you.